Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Father. Father, you are so amazing that words cannot possibly describe. You are amazing. You are loving. You are merciful. You are patient. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will please forgive us. Forgive us for being who we are. (laughs) Forgive us, please, for being how we think and the fleshiness associated with our walk and all these notions that we have wrapped up and burned into our heads and thinking things that we think and believing things that we believe when your scripture clearly states otherwise. Always always flipping through the verses or listening to a uh, a preacher's sermon, hoping that we're going to find that little tidbit that'll get us off the hook for being obedient to your word to a T. But if we only realized and did, if we only got to a place in our walk, which I strive to get to myself, and it's always a journey because we know, Father, that in the refiner's fire, in that walk of sanctification, that you're eventually going to, you know, for lack of a better term, you're going to grab us by the short hairs and throw us into the bigger boxing ring. And it's um, it's a really tough, uh, it's a really, really tough um, lesson to learn that as believers, we are part of our sanctification process is to be refined more and more. And that there is no end to that refinement, uh, except through a blessing which would be associated with our peaceful passing and love, as Christ did from the cross. Even, Even in his moments of the flesh, really, from the cross, Jesus, we, you know, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? We see your humanness associated with that which is un- unbelievable. I mean, the whole thing is just so amazing. And so many people out there, you know, whether they be preachers, teachers, or fellow brothers and sisters, they um, they just can't deal with the duplicity. They have, you know, either you, you, Jesus, were God, or you were human, or you were this, or you were that. It was always an or. It was never an and. We don't like it. We don't like it when the light is off, but the light is also on. If it looks like it's off to us, we want it to be off. We don't want there to be electrons flowing through the tungsten filament of the light bulb. That is, if it's... If it's not an LED bulb, but and how amazing it is that even with LED bulbs, there's what's known as trickle current that can cause the LED light to sometimes flicker, depending on the type of switch. We we base our, I mean, thank you Jesus for saying, "Blessed to, to Thomas, blessed is he who believes and has not seen." Thank you for placing it upon our heart that in our walk. We think things in our heart because we believe things. We think that we know something and we perceive something. And so we believe that in our walk that we're, there's nothing wrong with it. We, you know, we've decided that aliens are demons or we've decided that, uh, you know, there are no such things as sins of death. You know, we don't, we, we just make up our, our mind and then we hear things being said. And indeed, even on this program many times. Uh, which pushes the envelope for sure, praise Jesus, um, 
and we make up our minds. We we decide that something we heard was, um, as I was told today, haughty or prideful, when in reality it was right on target. It was amen and a hearty amen. Praise God. And I thank you, Father, for that because, as you know, whenever uh, anybody says something to me that I feel could be perhaps coming from you, I take it to heart, and it really, really bothers me. And I look into it, and I know that eventually you're going to reveal it to me. And you did. And I praise you for that. And so in my walk, I thank you, Father, for the times that you have been there for me to confirm that the things that I knew were true just by virtue of your scripture, that the way that I delivered it in my message was, at at the very least, um, perhaps accurate enough, maybe, to sink in and trouble the hearts of the listeners, which if I don't do that, then I haven't done my job. If I allow anybody to go to hellfire because I failed to adequately communicate the risk that any given fellow brother or sister in Christ faces due to their to what they feel in their heart, without adequately helping them to understand the the graveness, the seriousness of the outcome. If I don't go that extra mile, how can I sleep with myself? And I praise you, Father God, for revealing that to me. I thank you, Father God, for the feedback that I received from the body of Jesus Christ, which is you, Lord Jesus. It is we are all as part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is no longer we who lives, but you who lives in us. We don't live. It's you who lives in us. You, Lord Jesus. And as part of that body, there is neither man nor woman, Jew or Gentile, but we are all one in Christ. And I praise you for that, Father, because when we learn that, when we live that, not just hear it, not just think we've picked up a part of the message, but when we become it, Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I just... Okay. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You are so awesome. So uh, I just want to thank you, Father, on all of our behalf for being the awesome Father that you are, because you know that I fear you. You know that I worry. You know that, um, that I know that each one of our individual journeys are custom made for us and that each one of our individual journeys are horrible or very harsh or extremely difficult to deal with for us where we are in our walk. To one of us, another fellow believer's journey may seem trivial. The the trials and tribulations that they're experiencing when we lay them beside our life or our perception of our life may appear to be comparatively minor. But to that individual, that refiner's fire is absolutely custom designed for that individual. Custom designed. Just like Paul's thorn in the flesh. Um. You're an amazing father. 
You know what each of our tolerances are. You know even when there is something in the refining process that you may throw at us that might cause us to slip into a state of self-pity or depression and a series of behaviors that are self-focused and um, ultimately lead you know, to us being out, either A, outside of your will, B, uh, you know, considering sin, or C, going into sin, and it becomes full-blown sin. And then, Father, we praise you for your mercy endures forever. For First John 1, 9. For if we confess of our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Lord, our Father, God, you are awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You are the wind beneath our wings. In fact, you're everything to us. And to those of us who maybe are coming to a place in our walk, little by little, little by little, where we're starting to maybe sort of kind of feel a little bit of respite, let us always, always, Father, recognize that the journey was custom made for us and that each and every one of us probably have our own thorn in the flesh. Almost for sure. And that thorn in the flesh is custom made for each of us. And it may come back over and over again. Or in the refining of each of us, we have a custom um, and let me just go ahead and... Do, oh, there it is. Hold, hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So what I'm going to do is cheat here. Praise you, Lord, because I want to get this uh, scripture. Thorn in the flesh Bible. Thank you, Lord. And it is Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So let's go to there. Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians 12... Verse 7. It's amazing. I have, and Father, we just praise your holy name and we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity to be before you. We praise you, Father, for everything that you have done for us. We thank you for every time you have taken us before, behind the barn and pulled out your godly uh, belt and let us have it. We thank you for all of our chastening. We thank you for the parts of our journey which we thought maybe that we would never get through or haven't gone completely through yet. <laughs> I, I smile, Father, because here I was moving to a new job thinking, <laughs> this is hilarious, thinking that I was going to maybe go to a place where my job would not be a stress factor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, how we kid ourselves. So it says to, so Paul tells us about his thorn in the flesh in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. And he says, and I've sat, we praise you, Father, and I'm, I'm interrupting the prayer to commune with you and to share with the listeners. This scripture because I've sat in churches all of my life, periodically, intermittently, 
most of that most of my life believing in one saved always saved churchianity which is a lie the greatest lie of the devil that was ever conceived and i believed with all of my heart that i was once saved always saved therefore i could do whatever i wanted to i didn't read the bible and if it wasn't father for you allowing a really bad thing to happen in my life i wouldn't be even here today i don't mean i mean i don't want to i don't let me say that a different way if you hadn't whacked me upside the head with a Louisville slugger as hard as you did, <laughs> I wouldn't have made that hard a port turn. Praise you, Jesus. And that happened, wowie, like uh, 2007. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, it's amazing. You're an amazing father. And then for those of us who are blessed to that degree, how much more so is it? As it says in Luke twelve forty seven and forty eight, to whom much has been given, much will be required. And to uh, here, I'll go ahead and okay. So Second Corinthians ten twelve seven. So make that make a mental note of that. Second Corinthians twelve seven, and first we'll jump over to Luke twelve forty seven, where it says, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his well will shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, I don't know about y'all, but that don't sound like a good day to me. (laughs) Okay? And then it says in verse 48, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. This is why it says in, in Revelation chapter 13 about the church of Laodicea, I would rather for you to be either hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That is the servant who knew his master's will, but did not prepare himself or do according to his will. That servant will be vomited out of Jesus' mouth. That is, they will be beaten with many stripes. Do you see the parallelism here? The scripture is absolutely harmonious. Totally harmonious. But we have to discern it spiritually. We have to rise outside of the context. And that is why we are in trouble when we are inside a building with a preacher or a pastor, because if they are formally trained, they are trained by their um, Bible college, uh, whatever institute that they went to, whatever it is, they are trained, harshly trained, I might add, that they must look at the context the context is all important. Matter of fact, I had a an ordained a Bible college trained pastor who will go unnamed on the program as a guest. And I shared with them something and they said, oh, no, that's wrong. You're taking it out of context. <laughs> and I I did not respond in a negative way. I let the person finish their paragraph, and then I ended the show a little bit early with hugs, love, furry white kittens, huggy bunnies, and I and it was you know, and that was that. There was no hard feelings. Um, I just pulled out, did a hard left, 
said, God bless everybody. Have a nice night and press the music to play for the end of the show. And the show was over because I knew what I had on the program was very dangerous. And I, unfortunately, will be held accountable for anyone. You know, you can't lay, if you know a person's going to go to hell because, or could end up, let's just leave it like this. How about this? If you know that the person has a problem with alcohol, and I know there's a lot of believers out there that don't think you're allowed to drink any wine or whatever, and that Jesus didn't really make wine, um, you know, that it wasn't really wine back then, there was no alcohol, well, then you pretty much got to get out a big black magic marker and redact pretty much the whole Bible, because you will see that things such as John the Baptist did not drink strong drink. Well, what does that mean? You see what I'm saying? So if he didn't drink strong drink, does that mean that he didn't have wine once in a while? You also have the scriptures in Titus, and you have the scriptures in... I'm not making up excuses. I'm just sharing what we need to know. We need to know our Bible in its entirety. If we don't know our Bible in its entirety, we are in danger. Because what we're in danger of doing is misleading a fellow brother or sister such that they become what's called what the Bible refers to as being tripped up. And if we trip up a fellow believer in such a manner that they end up in a bad place, God isn't going to like that. It says in Proverbs 6.16, it says, And these six things the Lord hates, yea, even something like seven of them are an abomination to him or something like that. And one of those things is sowing, it's the last one of the list, sowing division amongst the brethren. How about that? So you're not allowed to go into a Bible study and say, Hey, all you goofballs who are telling each other you're not allowed to have any wine ever, ever, ever. You're not correct, and here's 15 scriptures to prove why. Be- why? Because if you do that, you're sowing division amongst the brethren. And our Father God considers that an abomination. So I don't know about you, but I want to be erased from the abomination list. Amen? Bible also tells us to not be, you know, to those of us who are working for Jesus in a teaching or preaching capacity that we're supposed to respect them so we don't go after them. You know, we we need to let God work on them, and we take it to prayer because prayer is the most powerful thing, and it is indeed our ordinance. The most important thing that we are supposed to do on this earth, bar none, is to pray. But yet we always make that awful mistake to say, I've tried everything else, and I guess I'll just have to resort to prayer. I can only imagine. I mean, I can't imagine how offensive that must be to our Father when our ordinance, our, or, our, our, our whole purpose for being here is to commune with the Father and to pray. That's it. The, it is the quintessential most important thing we are to do. Other than the Lord, love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul, and be obedient to him because we love him. 
Same thing with Jesus being our first love. I and the Father are one, John 10.30. When I learned about those things, I was just blown away. Praise God. But anyway, it says, again, in that same set of scriptures, Luke 12, verse 47 and 48, it says, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. Wow. So how do you think I sleep at night when I think I've done something wrong? <laughs> okay, and like I said, I've been through some really, really bad things. Um, I'm not going to get into all the details of all the things that I've been through. Some of them are absolutely right out of an Amity Beville horror movie. But um, it's a miracle that I've, I'm wherever, wherever it is that I am right now, it's a miracle that I am here. <laughs> okay, well, let's just leave it at that, as nebulous as that is. Praise God. Um, and then we'll go back to the thorn in the flesh for a second. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Which was 1 Corinthians. Let me see. No, it wasn't. It was 2 Corinthians. Was it? It wasn't 7. Uh, oh, wait a minute. I got it right here. 12, 7. Praise God. So I've sat in churchianity most of my life. And I was raised in the two better, or you could call it three better of the groups that are out there, um, which are, in my opinion, strongly, it's a strong opinion, are um, Pentecostal, which they're not flawless. They have their flaws. Believe, believe you me, they do. Hallelujah. And also Assembly of God which they have their flaws, oh, you better believe they do. We all do. Um, as a matter of fact, all uh, 33,000 plus different denominations on the earth have their flaws. Some of them are pretty bad, okay? But the thing is, too, is it's a wrongful of us to assume that any one of them is, like, good, that they've got it figured out. Because the reality is that every single one of them doesn't. It's not until we grow out of the building-based churches. By the way, did you know that the first building-based church did not exist until 300 A.D., 300 years after Jesus died on the cross? The very first building called the church was built. Imagine that. The Bogomils, where I believe Tyndale came from, just lived in villages like the Ephrata Cloisters in Pennsylvania, which is still to this day a, uh, what would you call it, a uh, travel destination. We'll just put it like that. It's one of those places that you just got to see when you go to Pennsylvania, just like a, an Amish village. You know, you want to definitely drive up past Lancaster on Route 30, heading north toward Hershey Park so you can ride all the rides and eat the candy and become woke. <laughs> okay, I'll take that last part out. Hallelujah. But I wish I didn't have to say that because I happen to be a huge fan having grown up there and having my grandfather actually 
being the chief financial officer of the Hershey Foods Corporation at the time that the Harry Burnett Reese Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Factory was bought. It was my grandfather that actually brought brought the contract into the room to have Harry Burnett Reese sign it so Hershey could take over the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. That was my grandfather. My mother, unfortunately, now I praise God for her, don't get me wrong, but sadly for her, she was a candy bar wrapper. What many don't know is that in those days, long ago, uh, in the early days of the Hershey Chocolate Factory, um, and it wasn't that Milton Hershey, Milton Hershey, by the way, was a Mennonite, and um, he borrowed an awful lot of money from his family to start the Lancaster Caramel Company. He wanted to be a confectioner, and he failed miserably. Eventually, the, the Lancaster Caramel Company started to turn a profit, which was kind of miraculous, but then he discovered this new thing called chocolate. Because he would travel to all of these, you know, like the Chicago bazaars and all these things where they would have all these new inventions, and he'd walk around and he saw these machines making chocolate, and he was amazed. Hershey wasn't the inventor of chocolate, you see. Hershey was the inventor of milk chocolate. And the reason why that was so important was because chocolate had a really serious problem way, way back in the 30s. It had a zero shelf life. Most aristocrats drank chocolate out of a little tiny cup. It was basically a syrup, and that's how chocolate was consumed. And Hershey came up with this idea, if I mix milk with it, maybe it will last longer. So he bought some special equipment, and he tried it, and it worked. Now, there was much trial and error involved, believe you me. And there's these machines known as concha machines, and concha machines stir the chocolate, the you have to add milk slowly to the chocolate paste uh, uh, you know, that comes from the cakes that you eventually get from the co cacao beans. <laughs> okay? A lot of people call them cocoa beans, and that is not true. It's cacao beans. So when you go to Africa or the Ivory Coast, it, those are cacao trans... Tra and, and they actually, the pods grow off the side of the bark of the tree. It's really fascinating. My mother... The contra machines mix the, the chocolate and the milk together, and they have to do it for like like a week or longer for each batch. That's how long it gets. That's how long you got to stir it to get the milk to mix with the chocolate adequately enough that it becomes a single substance and it doesn't separate. Well, anyway, my mother. See, back then they didn't have candy bar wrapping machines, so my mother got a job at the Hershey Chocolate Factory as a candy bar wrapper. Now, I actually have real, genuine photographs, black and white photographs, beautiful, with cherry wood frames of people in the 30s during the Great Depression. Um, these are were taken on at the Hershey Chocolate Factory in the 30s. 
And my, that's what my mother did. Now, I don't know exactly what year it was, um, but she was a candy bar wrapper. And they had a rule. And the rule was that any candy that broke while you were wrapping it, you were allowed to take it home with you. 500 pounds later, my mother developed a very serious and deadly type of type 2 diabetes. Probably 400 pounds later. My mom was not especially tall. She murdered herself with sugar. And she searched to be healed divinely by taking her little son, Johnny, with her to every divine healing ceremony. What would you call them? Revival, divine healing revival to be found anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania in in the early 70s. She took me everywhere. I've seen more people healed of every, everything. People wheeled up onto the stage, had never walked in their lives, multiple sclerosis from the age of 12, I mean, whatever. But, you know, I I was in the room. So was my mother. My mother wanted to receive her healing, but she never did. And that never dissuaded my faith. Because in that journey with my mother, going to every divine healing revival there was, anywhere, within a two-hour drive of Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I saw so many people, probably in the grand scheme of my life as a young kid, I probably saw no less than 200 people miraculously healed of something deadly or eyesight being restored or something like that. People jumping out of wheelchairs and running around the entire um, room as fast as they could, praising Jesus and crying their eyes out because they've never been out of the wheelchair in their life. That was my upbringing. And I've been, and I don't even know how many churches, and I've heard them say all sorts of things about the thorn in the flesh. They would say things like, oh, you know, Paul, uh, you know, uh, he had some sort of an eye eye problem, and that was, you know, and, and you know, scales fell off of his eye. I've seen people call the Apostle Paul all kinds of evil things, um, you know, claiming that he was some type of a reptilian and, and wanting to tear all the Pauline epistles out of the Bible. They would point to the scripture where it says that Paul had his own, um, what what did he call it? Uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of the right word. That he had his own uh, gospel. Okay. Well, the truth of the matter is he did. He was given a special gospel. His gospel was to preach to the Gentiles primarily, but he actually had to go back to meet with Paul. I forget who all he had to meet with. It was Paul and and maybe it was John when they were working in Jerusalem and he had to go back and just slap them around. Yeah, yeah. He had to go back and really lay into them because they were starting to go back into the law. And he heard about it. 
he got news. And so he went back and he was like, you know, I, I imagine a scene right out of uh, <laughs> the Three Stooges. Whoop, 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 whoop. And then he walked up and clapped their heads together and said, what are you doing? You want to go straight to hell? You know, but anyway, they all came together and uh, decided that at the very least, as long as the Gentiles um, avoided eating food that was dedicated to idols and blood and what was the other thing and sexual immorality, that they would probably do well. They came to that conclusion together, which, of course, was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Now, doing well, you have to understand, you've got to be careful with that concept. Doing well means making it into heaven by the skinny of your chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> okay? Heaven's a big place, and your works will be tested of what sort they are. And to those who do well, you know, for the, you know when, you're, when your works um, endure, endure is the word, you will receive a reward. But if they were burned up by the fire, you will uh, receive a loss. So it's a merit-demerit system when it comes to your heavenly rewards, your inheritance, and your rewards. And some people, they're just not going to have neither, really. I mean, they'll, they'll make it to heaven, but by the skin of their chinny-chin-chin, and if they weren't gracious givers... They're not going to be in a really big, nice, pretty mansion. They're not even going to be in a Thomas Kincaid home. They're going to be far out, way far away from the city of Zion where our Heavenly Father has, you know, the pearly gates and the city mansions and all that. They're going to be out far. They're going to be in, like, apartment complexes. But according to the um, – according to Odin Hetrick's daughter, who I spoke to on the phone uh, for four hours – she said that even they, those who lived out way out, you know, which the Bible refers to as the outer darkness, it's just the shadowy area. It's not hell. It's just the shadowy area. It's the part. See, the only reason why there's no shadow of turning around our Heavenly Father in Mount Zion, behind the pearly gates, in heaven. Think of heaven as like a gigantic planet like the size of Jupiter. And it's absolutely glorified and incredibly gorgeous. It's giant. See, when you, when you get that image in your heart, you can envision how this works because behind those pearly gates in the city of the living God, Hebrews twelve twenty two, there's no shadow of turning because the glory of God is so bright. There's no shadow of turning. Shadow of turning. What do you, what do you suppose the turning is? <laughs> you know, right? Is it, could it be the turning of the planet that God created for him to put Mount Zion on? And is it an interdimensional planet? How many universes are there? I don't know. But it is exciting to me to think about it. Praise God. But it's funny because when I reflect back on all the different churches that I've been to over all of my Dorked up, backslidden, once saved, always saved life. I've heard so much speculation from so many preachers and teachers, like yada, 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 about why Paul had that thorn in the flesh. They couldn't figure it out. And, you know, they would say, I think it's because of this, or I think it's because of that. And you can even read it. You know, you can read it in the commentaries and everything, and, and there, 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 there's a befuddlement. <laughs> People don't see it. And I'm like, 
what? Because it's right there. You know, I praise God because I don't know why this is. I don't know why. But it's true. It's really, 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 really true. For for some reason, I have never... Let me clarify. I don't like the word never. Never say never. (laughs) Praise Jesus. So... When I read a parable, I don't read a parable. It doesn't even come across to me as a parable. It just doesn't. To me, I'm reading a newspaper. <laughs> to me, I'm reading with, the, with great clarity. I know who's who in the zoo. I know who, who all the players are. I, I, it, it just, to me, it's just instruction. That's all it is. It's just instruction. There's nothing mysterious at all about it. Excuse me. Thank you, Jesus. So in the thorn of the flesh story in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Okay, now we're going to stop and we're going to ponder this. Just for a moment. Let's read it again. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. What he just, what Paul just did was he gave the answer away. He told you exactly why he had the thorn in the flesh. He knew, and he came right out. The very first words out of his mouth was to explain to the reader why God gave him the thorn in the flesh. Now, what do you suppose it means to be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations? That's pride. Paul had a proclivity, a tendency toward pride. And God knew it. So God had to keep him on a perpetual state of smackdown. (laughs) Okay? Are you starting to picture this now? Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. In other words, all these amazing, miraculous, incredible things that I saw and experienced. I would think that I am the big, bad Paul the Apostle. (laughs) Okay, are you getting this together? Praise Jesus, right? It's right there. It's right in the text. Unless I should be exalted above measure because of the abundance of my revelations. The things that have happened to me, I might develop pride and think I'm the bomb, (laughs) right? Are you you getting with it? You know, see, I love to 21st centuryize the Bible because people just don't get stuff very well. And that's why I'm not going to even get into the state of the earth right now because it's so incredibly, ugh, ugh. That's all I'm going to say about it. Let's just leave it at that. Praise God. So right here, we already know. And, he go, and then Paul goes on to say, hey, unless, unless I would, so let's do a, I'll call this a Johnny Baptist translation version, okay? We only got like, what, 25 different translations of the Bible? Well, this is the Johnny Baptist translation. <sighs> unless I should become prideful, and think of myself more highly than other Christians because of all of the things that I've been through and seen, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to beat the heck out of me, lest that I 
think that I'm better than other Christians. <laughs> okay? That's what it says here. Now I'll read it what it I'll read it the new the new King James. It says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So he repeats being exalted above measure twice. Okay? It's not a mystery. It's as clear as it can possibly be. He even says that he goes on to explain, he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with God. And three times I went before the Lord and I pleaded with him that it might depart from me. Father, please, please get rid of this demon that's buffeting and beating me. Paul. Okay, verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul goes on and says, therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities, my beatings, my whoopings, you know, all the heck on earth that I have to go through. I boast in all those things, all this ugly, all this misery, all this unbelievable stress that I should only have two hours of sleep at night. I boast in those things. Hallelujah for only two hours of sleep. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my beatings, my infirmities, my reproaches, and my needs, in my persecutions, and my distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. What a cool lesson is that. So, let's do applied Christianity. <laughs> let's apply it to my life. Because I'm the greatest example of... <laughs> dorking up that there is on earth. Like I say all the time, Paul ain't got nothing on me except that I never killed anybody. All right, and think about this. So one of the things that I was I was praying so hard, oh my goodness, when I was going through the job tra- change, and if you heard the testimony, you know that God was miraculously behind it. And it was it was nothing less than an absolute unbelievable miracle. Now, that all being said, I was very, very hopeful, you see, as the Apostle Paul was when he was pleading to God to get rid of these doggone <laughs> demons, messengers of Satan, buffeting him, beating him up all the time. I was very hopeful that when I moved from my old job to my new job that I could just kind of become that short blade of grass. And, you know, there's an old saying, the tall blade of grass gets cut first. So I thought, maybe I can just shrink down and hide out and just do my job and get my paycheck, you know, until we get to go. And, um, and then I get to the new job and they discover me. I'll just put it that way. And my thorn in the flesh not only flew through the the sky like a, you know, 
F-30 or whatever, F-35 jet, it flew down from heaven, circled around me like four times, and that thorn went boing, right into my hiney cheek. <laughs> okay? You know, and I'm not trying to give you a, a goofy, you know, a ridiculous visual here, but I'm just trying to let you know that that thorn in the flesh followed me right where I went. Yup. You can believe it with all of your heart. So now I am thrown right back into the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Jesus himself. <laughs> okay? And now you might say, well, Johnny, why wouldn't you be, like, bummed out about that? Well, I'll tell you. When you're, first off, when you're new at a job and you got an extremely powerful senior director saying that he wants you to take over another person's job, and then they go and fire the person, and now you're sitting there holding the bag, and you've got two senior directors at your new job that you've barely found the restroom at, and they're saying, we want you to become, you know, the grand poobah or whatever, the leader of this and you're sitting there going, oh, no, that thorn just jumped out of my old job, flew through the air, and went toing, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay? So I happen to know that I, too, have a thorn in the flesh, lest I should be maybe exalted above measure for the abundance of the revelations that God has given me. <laughs> Get it? So it's God's way of keeping us on our knees. He's not picking on you. He's not. He's keeping you right where he wants you to be. He's keeping you where he needs you to be because he knows you way better than you know yourself. Yep. Yep. Matter of fact, I have a relative who I dearly love, um, but I love everybody to a fault. <laughs> I really do. I I do. I really do. I Even when they hurt me horribly, I'm not going to tell you all this stuff. I'm just going to spare you. I've got at least two major testimonies that I could give tonight. That would take probably about another 40 minutes, but I'm not going to do it. But um, there are attacks that come in from the dark side, but God likes to use our families and other Christians to attack us. And it, that's just how it works, because how, who, what's going to – look, look, look. If a totally – you know, uh, we hate the sin, we love the sinner, right? Amen? Okay, so that being said, I've set, the, I've set the, the baseline. There's your baseline. We hate the sin, we love the sinner. But if a totally pink, purple, polka dot woke person came up to me and said, F-bomb you, Johnny. F-bomb you for putting that on the back of your car. F-bomb, F-bomb you, 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 in front of like a big crowd of people, whatever. How do you think that would make me feel? Well, I'll tell you what would roll off my shoulder like a raindrop because I would see that that person was pink, purple, polka dotted. And I would, and everybody around me would be looking at that person like, where did they grow you? What rock did you crawl out from underneath? And so right there, I would be essentially vindicated amongst those who were standing around me just by virtue of the dynamics in play, you know, what, all that. However, when God sends a Christian particularly someone who's a Christian and a member of your family or a Christian who's been a part of your life and prayer time to do that, then it's different. It has much greater 
impact. It is devastating. And um, anyway, uh, I had a lot of that happen to me this week. I don't know what it is, but evidently, wherever it is that I am right now, I am what I am. Wherever it is that God has brought me right now, and I don't know where that is. I don't know. It has to be a major threat to Satan because I'm telling you, I'm getting, it's just coming at me from every direction, heavily. And um, and that's okay because like Paul said, he says, I take pleasure in my infirmities, my reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know what, folks? I ain't joking yet. I'm feeling kind of strong right at the moment. <laughs> Praise God. But yes, I have my own little thorn in the flesh. And yes, I'm sure I will be praying and asking people to pray for me on my new job many times. But we are supposed to be praying for one another. It's our calling. We're supposed to be praying for um, the lost and for one another. Don't forget that scripture, uh, which I read a lot on here on the program, where it says, um, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. 1 Samuel 12, verse 23. So we actually have two mandates, two prayer mandates. Two of them. Number one mandate is we are to pray for one another. Number two prayer mandate is that we are to pray for the lost. So anyway, what a wonderful lesson to learn. I guess I should be really, really happy. And you know, I let God down. I will say it before you and everybody else, because here's my open confession before the whole wide world. Um, when I was being confronted, remember, I don't even know where the restroom is. I'm still trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out how to work some of the stuff that they use to do their work. You know, I'm still reeling because they're telling me that I can't have this application or that application, which I've been using for the last 26 years. And, and it's just, they're like, no, 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 it's too expensive. We got to keep our costs down. And I'm like thinking to myself, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm still reeling about all that stuff. And anyway, so, but I, I let, I messed up again. And that, and you know what that means? That means that God is going to reach his holy hand down from heaven, grab me by the scruff of the neck and throw me right back into the boxing ring with Rocky Balboa. I have to go through another round. <laughs> right? Because guess what? I failed the test. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I can't say no, because if I say no, it will appear as if I have a bad attitude and I'm unappreciative before I've even figured out where the restroom is. You get, you hear what I'm saying? Hopefully you're understanding what I'm saying too. So I can't say no, but if I do say yes, I am now operating in exceedingly high risk. In fact, my specialization is the most high risk. I'm a risk management professional. That's what I do for a living. And 
my, one of my key specializations is business continuity, which is fascinating because <laughs> when do you think on earth business continuity would become very, very popular? When the apocalypse is happening, <laughs> right? So now you've got all these businesses out there that are looking at the Russian war situation in the Ukraine. They're looking at all of the countries beginning to fail. They're looking at the banks dropping over like flies, and they're starting to freak out. Their boards of directors are going, oh, my goodness, what if that, what if that, what if what, Antifa comes out? What if they shut down our street? What if the French Revolution makes it over to our little town here in, 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 you know, in Maine or, or in Iowa? What are we going to do to keep the business open? So now they all want to have a plan, a plan to keep their businesses profitable in the middle of an assortment of really bad apocalyptic things, which is my specialty. Why in the world? I mean, when you think about this, how ironic. I mean, really think about that just for a second, please. I actually started studying business continuity on my own in 1998. Okay. Are you following along? I'm the one who tells everybody that the Lord is impressed upon my heart, and I believe it with all of my heart, that the National Security Directive number 51 for the continuity of government, which was completely redacted and hidden from the Department of Homeland Security, you know, Judiciary Committee or whatever in Congress, which really made uh, Representative Joe, Joe De, uh, something DeFazio really angry. He stood on the on C-SPAN. He was going, "They threatened us with martial law." I have the recording. He was furious because. Shape-shifting H.W. Bush, no, 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 G.W. Bush, shape-shifting reptilian George W. Bush, <clears throat> um, had that whole thing drafted and done and then redacted and wouldn't let anybody in Congress see it, and they were furious, furious. And to this day, nobody knows what's in the redacted portion, and I'll tell you what's in there. It says when a major destructive event occurs in Washington, D.C., and there is no succession list, such as, you know, is the theme of the movie uh, with Kiefer Sutherland in it, entitled, um, let's, just, let's check my memory here, entitled uh, Something Survivor, um, Designated Survivor. That movie, the theme of that movie, is what's referred to in business continuity as the succession list. Okay, it's about when you've lost everybody, who becomes the president? Who does? Well, in that movie, it was the guy that was the head of the Department of Forestry. Can you imagine if it was the head of the Department of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, or one of these other – I don't even want to get going on it, folks. There are so many creepy things creeping around our capital right now amidst demons of incredible power. But anyway, it's it says, I guarantee it, I don't don't you know, I'm not Nostradamus, but I feel powerfully in my heart that it says that you're going to put the last fully functional president that 
you know, back in power and maybe probably change his name like they did Hitler because they made up the term Fuhrer for Hitler specifically. It never existed before. The term the Fuhrer never existed in Germany ever in the history of its existence. It was created just for Hitler. I believe that that is all documented and redacted in NSD number 51 for the continuity of government. <laughs> and look at what's happening to me because I'm a business continuity specialist. <laughs> okay. Like I said, the thorn in the flesh just flew down from heaven and went poing, poing, poing. <laughs> Okay. So God's not going to let me alone. He's going to make sure. Okay. I mean, I just can't stop laughing about it, really. But I failed the test. I did. I failed it. I got nervous. Real, real nervous. I'm still nervous about it. <laughs> you know? Okay. So what, what's the test that I'm failing? I'm testing the trust God test. I'm failing the trust God test. I should be ashamed of myself, which I guess I actually am, really, when you think about it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, so one more thing before we move into the prayer vigil and move forward through it. One more quick thing. So um, the widow lady that I told you that wanted to rent the 10 by 10 in my downstairs She has, she's very aggressive. Uh, She had to, her husband died decades ago of brain cancer and she's had to fend for herself. And um, it's been hell. She's been going through hell for decades and decades and decades. And the pandemic really took her down to the point where she couldn't even take a shower. She had to put a cup of water in a coffee cup in a microwave and sponge bath with it. They even came and took away her um, propane tank so she didn't have gas or a stove or nothing. But anyway, she's um, a sparky little critter. <clears throat> she gets upset. You know, when she gets upset with somebody, she lets it rip. <laughs> okay. Man, I've been working on her and I've been like, you know, would you let me share something with you? And I did. And I said, one of the reasons why you keep on going through all of these problems over and over and over and over again is because of your temper. But, 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 <laughs> but this and but that and blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> And um, God bless her. I, I got her calmed down. And I shared with her my testimony. I have not reached a state of perfection, and I believe with all of my heart that none of us will, <coughs> until that which is perfect has come, which is Jesus. But I, I, I helped her to understand how it works. If you're letting your feathers get flustered, flustered, then the scripture, Psalm 78, 41, applies to you. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I had to explain to her how Satan is in heaven pointing down at her and saying, look at her. You know, I I will tell you that it was a tough battle. I I was on the phone with her for at least 40 minutes trying to 
get her to calm down, <laughs> okay, so that she was able to receive it. Because if she can't receive it, she's just going to keep on getting kicked and beaten and more and more angry. Anyway, um, she she received it eventually. And I said, well, then we'll just pray together. And um, you watch. God's going to show you something. And your problems are going to be solved. But you just got to keep on praising him. You praise him, but you don't you do it fake praise. I told her, I said, you better be praising him from the bottom of your heart. Because you know that you know that you know that he is going to answer your prayers. And I can tell you straight up, it ain't going to be as fast as you think or that you want. Okay, because he was telling me, like, I couldn't believe that I didn't get an answer to the prayer. I couldn't believe and I would go out and I would cry out. And I would go out and I'd cry, God, why, why, why? And I'm like, Lori, you can't do that. You're not allowed to. Okay. You know, and I finally, she calmed way down and she received it. Praise the Lord. So, um, but I only know these things because that's me. See, God has uniquely qualified me. You know, I got to praise him. You know, I like Paul. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and challenges and trials and tribulations. I take pleasure in them. I praise God for them. I trust him with all of my heart. He will make my path straight and everything will be just fine. But I failed. So I'm expecting the mighty hand of God to reach down from heaven at any second now, grab me by the scruff of the neck, and throw me in Rocky Balboa's boxing ring. (laughs) Okay? Because that's kind of how it goes. All right? Praise Jesus. So what's interesting is after I had that conversation with Lori, the Lord gave me something. He always confirms things for me supernaturally. If I'm a good boy. And... What he gave me was this. So there I was. I had just gotten off the phone with her. She was calmed down, and she understood how it all works. And I said, I even read this to her, and I'm going to read it to you. This is from Glenda Lomax, Just Praise Him. But at the end of the day, the name of the prophet, all that stuff is irrelevant. If there's a word that God wants to give you, he can do it through a donkey, okay? So, you know, or a billboard or whatever. Or your worst enemy, (laughs) okay? So anyway, it's entitled Suffering. Suffering. And I can tell you that Lori has been suffering. I can tell you that I have been suffering. I have, uh, like last night, I got two hours of sleep. I looked at my Fitbit when I woke up. I knew I had a really bad night. And you might say, but why, Johnny? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I've been doing this 16 by 8 intermittent fasting and uh, and eating like a bird, <laughs> like Adkins phase one only. And I've dropped, uh, well, as of, wait, let me look at the calendar. Yeah, as of yesterday, from... Monday evening until last night, I've dropped, I went from 310 down to 293. 
Okay. Are you following along with me here? Uh, What I've noticed is in my life, when I'm gaining weight, I don't get back pain. I, when I was in the Navy, I pulled my back out and it was the most severe thing that could ever happen to somebody short of breaking their back. When you break your back, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, that's really bad. What happened to me was I, my L4 and L5 vertebrae, which happened to be where your sciatic nerve bundle passes through, completely separated. And I was crippled instantly and fell straight to the ground, unable to move at all. And they sent, you know, a team of rescuers to pick me up, put me on a gurney, and I was on bed rest for 30 days. And let me tell you something. The United States military doesn't like it when a member is on a bed for 30 days because they got work for you to do, okay? And they were giving me like 1,300 milligrams of Motrin two times a day, okay? Uh, That's how bad it was. And at the time, you know, I was just, I was a kid, you know, I was 23 or whatever. So what do I know? Did I have any idea that it was going to follow me the rest of my life? No, I didn't know. So here I am, 61. And one of the things I've noticed for those of us who are, what is the word? Food challenged. For those of us whose body composition is such that if we look at a table of food long enough, we'll gain 10 pounds, like me. Especially if we're if we come from a family who has that in their genes and through many generations. I was three hundred and fifty pounds in tenth grade in high school. I have lost all I have been three hundred and fifty pounds or higher more than four times in my life and lost it all four times. So I know what I'm doing. But where I really got messed up was age. Once I got over, because, of course, you know, when your mom and dad are telling you, you know, like I got this T-shirt. I, I Let me see where it is. I think it's right. No, doggone it. It must be in the car still. Uh, but I got this T-shirt that says, um, I can't believe I, I can't believe I'm as old as old people or something like that. Um, or I, uh, whatever. I can't. But anyway, forget it. But the point is this. I couldn't lose weight anymore. I was an expert at losing weight. It didn't matter to me that I was 350 pounds and on a CPAP machine because I knew I could lose it whenever I put my mind to it. But then it happened. Dun, dun, dun. I became an old person. And it didn't work anymore. All the things that worked all my life stopped working. So the 30 pounds plus that I put on during the pandemic, because I was no longer flying and running through airports, even occasionally, um, I couldn't get it off. And then to top it all off, I was going through periods of depression, which doesn't work well, because when you're depressed, what do you do? You eat. So I would lose five pounds, gain it, gain back eight. Lose five pounds, gain back eight. <laughs> you know, this is like a losing battle, no matter what. 
So then I decided to do a 16 by 8 intermittent fast and stick with Adkins phase 1. And all of a sudden, I'm losing weight rapidly. Praise the Lord. However, comma, those of us who have had very serious back injuries, they never go away. And I've noticed that I can gain weight. I can become, I mean, huge. But, you know, needing a CPAP to sleep and all that, I still got my CPAP. Actually, I have two of them. They're just in a drawer. Uh, but And they tell you that once you're on a CPAP, you'll never get off of it, which is a lie from Satan. And I lost all the weight. Not all of it, but I took went all the way from a size 56 down to a size 44. I went from 360 to 265. And I got off the CPAP and everything was cool. And I could actually buy clothes. I could buy pants, you know, dress pants uh, on Amazon. Because all I needed to know was my measurements. I didn't have to go to the men's warehouse and wait three days for them to and get charged, you know, $155 for a single pair of slacks. But anyway, I forgot. I didn't forget, but I was hoping it wasn't going to be so bad. I was, you know, you always kind of hope it's not going to be so bad. But it was. Last night, I, around 1.15 a.m., I was in excruciating back pain. It burned. And it hurt. Now, I've had an MRI. I've been on a gurney. I've gone into an operating room over this. I know what it's like. I've been there, done that. And they, when they took the MRI, they saw that my L4 and L5 vertebrae which are where the, like I said, this sciatic nerve bundle comes out. It's a bundle of nerves, and it comes out in between the L4 and the L5 vertebrae, lower back, where your lumbar is. That's why the seats in your car, if you have a nice car, will have a lumbar support. Praise Jesus. And you crank, and when you're like me, you always want to push that thing all the way out. Okay? <laughs> you want as much lumbar support as you can get. So anyway... Um, when they took the MRI, they saw that my L4 and L5 vertebrae looked like the mouth of a, an alligator. So what happens is when I gain weight, I guess the extra fat causes my L4 and L5 vertebrae to separate a little bit. And when they separate, the alligator teeth don't bite down on the on the uh, sciatic nerve bundle. But when I lose weight, the opposite thing happens, and that alligator's mouth closes down on my sciatic nerve bundle, and I am in agony, which is what happened last night, which is why I got two hours of sleep. And the only reason I'm able to talk coherently right now is I was able to slip a 45-minute quick power nap into the middle of the afternoon and drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> okay? Praise God. All right? But um, also this morning, and I praise God for this, I was able to spend, oh, about two and a half hours with a heating pad wrapped around a small pillow shoved back at, in my lumbar, in my lower back. And I turned that heating pad on red hot. 
And it, I could barely I could barely lean back on it. It was so darn hot. It hurt. But I made myself, I let it burn, let it burn, let it burn, and it burned. And I sat there and I did what I always do, and I checked for some apocalyptic news to find out if Donald Trump was arrested or whatever the heck kind of thing might be happening, praise Jesus. But anyway, um, but I sat on that thing, and by the time I had to go to work, the pain was gone. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So... After I talked to Lori about all this and helped her to understand how the kingdom works, I get this prophecy, which I'm going to read for you right now. It says, suffering says, my children, the earth will soon be filled with suffering, as if it already isn't, if you know what I'm saying. I feel like, you know, (laughs) who is that guy with the, like, Groucho Marx, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, But anyway... My children, the earth will soon be filled with suffering. So if it's not filled with suffering right now, which it appears to me that it is, and then it says, I desire my people would suffer in a way that glorifies me and instills faith in my other children and that inspires belief in unbelievers. You want to know, when I was talking to Lori, I told her about the Bogomils and how they walked peaceably out of their houses with their children hand in hand and were tied to stakes and burned to death while they were singing praises to Jesus. And it was that faith that caused the mercenaries that were sent to kill them to become the new missionaries that went across all of Asia. Not Asia Minor. Asia. Now, history gives the Catholic Church credit for that, and I'm here to tell you, no, no. It's not that the Catholic Church didn't have something to do with it at a later point uh, historically, but I'm here to tell you the original um, prosel, you know, uh, the original people who spread missionaries, the original missionaries, the original missionaries for the country of Asia, China, Russia, Japan, Okinawa, the Philippines, Taiwan, Hong Kong, all that. The original ones were the mercenaries who burned the Christians to death in the Bogomil villages because they saw the moms and the dads singing songs to Jesus, holding hands together as they burned to death. And their minds were blown. And they gave their lives to Jesus and repented and became missionaries. So again, see, let's read this again. Suffering. My children, the earth will soon be filled with suffering. I desire my people would suffer in a way that glorifies me and still and instills faith in my other children that inspires belief in unbelievers. See, I know that word came from the throne room of God because there ain't no human on this earth that would say something like that. Amen? Amen. And it goes on to say, our Father says, your complaining and your weariness, weariness does not glorify me. Scripture, Psalm seventy-eight, forty-one. Again and again they tempted God and limited 
the Holy One of Israel. By what? Complaining and being tired and miserable like the Israelites were in the desert. It took them 40 years to get out of the desert because they were complaining all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Which is what I told Lori. I said, Lori, don't complain. Don't complain. Shh, shh, shh. Praise God from the bottom of your heart with tears in your eyes because you know you are going to receive it. You know that you know that you know because he loves you. And do not swagger. Do not sway in your belief. Do not fall short. Do not be the second part of James 5, 6. Folks, please, it's all in the Bible. If you can spiritually discern it. And it wasn't James 5, 6. My bad. It was James 1, 5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will, it will be given to him. Now, I always like to stop right there because I don't want to hear the last part of that scripture. Why, you say? I'll tell you, because this is what it says. Verse 6, James 1. But let him ask that would be a believer. Let the believer ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. They're double-minded and they're unstable in all of their ways. I'm like, holy moly. That's a scripture, if I hear it once a year, it's one time too many. I'll stick with the first part. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. I'll stay right there. I don't need the second part. Okay? I don't need to be told that. I just want to praise God because I know I'm going to receive it. Period. End of story. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. That's it. I already know the rest of the story. I don't need to read it again. Okay? You only need to watch Bill Weiss' 23 Minutes of Hell one time. Okay? That's all you should need to fear God until the day you leave the earth. Okay? Are you with me here? I don't even like to hear stories of, about hell anymore. I'm, I'm scared enough. Okay? I, you know? So anyway, praise Jesus. I just wanted to share all of this with you because, oh, and I didn't finish the prophecy. Your complaining and your weariness does not glorify me. Wow. That's huge. Our father goes on to say, I know your paths are more difficult now, but where is your praise? (laughs) It says, actually, what it, what it says is, where is your praise of me? I'll just say, where is your praise? Because who else are you going to be praising anyway, right? Where is your praise? Praise brought down the walls of Jericho. Praise is what caused the earthquake to occur and the cast iron brackets and everything to pop open so Paul and Silas could get out of the jail cell and blow the minds of the people that were praying for them. Well, it surely couldn't be them. They must be a ghost. What are they doing at the door? (laughs) So there they are all holding hands, sitting around the table with a candle lit, you know, praying that God would release them from jail. And they're like going, you know, like knock, knock, knock. 
you know, hey, it's Oz. <laughs> and they're they're like getting up out of this room, the table going, it can't be you. You're in jail. <laughs> Look, the Bible is really, when you think about it, when you read the Bible stories, I mean, if you're not, once you mature enough in your understanding of what you're reading, if you're not laughing at those stories, <laughs> okay, you're missing stuff. Okay, there's a lot. Now, there's some other ones, though, that are really like, whoa, no thank you very much. But you would need to know them all. It comes like a package. Praise God. So anyway, let's go ahead and continue. <clears throat> Hold on a second, and i got to get out my candle here. I'm not going to go into communion immediately. Hold on. Um, okay, I got my got – my, um, I got one of those long light – can't hear lighters, you know, that it doesn't burn your hand when you try to light them. Praise God. All right. Thank you, Jesus. All right. And my holy oil is right here. Thank you, Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we just praise you for this opportunity to come before you, this electronic gathering, Father God. It's just a, let's call it an electronic ecclesia, a gathering. And we praise you, Father, for all of these things. We praise you, Father, for the testimony. We praise you, Father, for picking us up by the scruff of the neck and throwing us into the, the boxing ring with Rocky Balboa. Father, we praise you, Father, for the thorn in the flesh to keep us humble. We praise you, Father, for, for loving us so much that you would let us go through all of the stuff that we have to go through that is so utterly unpleasant because you're so awesome, Father. You're directing our path. And we we apologize to you. I do. I confess that I did not trust you fully. That I had fear in my heart. Even though Second Timothy one seven seven one says we were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And perfect love cast out all fear. And Father, are you not perfect love? You certainly are. And we praise you. And I pray that you will forgive me, for I have confessed of my sin before thee. And I pray that you will wash me clean, whiter than snow. Every single listener of this program, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, please, let not one of us miss the barley harvest, the first fruits rapture. Please, let each one who listens to this program <clears throat> understand the difference when I am preaching to hellfire for unforgiveness, which is a guaranteed straight eight-lane freeway directly to hell for any believer. Let them discern, let them understand the difference between when I'm preaching and warning about that versus when I'm preaching and warning about our behaviors and thoughts that enter our head, committing adultery in our heart, and how that's going to rule us out, wipe out our eligibility to be rescued off this planet before things get really, really, really horrible. I pray in Jesus' name that through an anointing of the Holy Spirit, even if the person has grieved the Holy Spirit recently and is perhaps not hearing well at all, if at all. And I pray, Father God, because of your mercy, that you will anoint each listener of this program 
whether it be the Wednesday show, the Sunday show, or any show, that you will touch them supernaturally and help them to be able to discern when I am trying to get them on the first flight out of here versus I'm trying to prevent them from inadvertently or ignorantly ending up in hellfire. It's a humongous, and I admit I do, Father, before you, and I pray for your mercy upon me, and I pray that you will anoint people with a knowing, with wisdom. For if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask you, Father, because you give to all of us liberally and without reproach, because you want to. And I pray that that anointing will fall upon every listener of this program at all times. And for those who do not have the ability to discern, I pray, Father, please, in Jesus' name, that through dreams and visions of the night, you will reveal these things to them. Help those who have been so awfully mistrained by those that many of us, if not all of us, have been awfully mistrained by over many, many decades. We praise you, Father, for the opportunity that you have laid before us to make a difference now and until the time of our departure. Let us feed your sheep. Help us to feed your sheep. Anoint us to feed your sheep. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight is the second of Nissan, 5783. The time now is 8.30 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. (laughs) Praise God. Ah, tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles, or if you prefer the Shabbat candles, it doesn't have to be on a Friday. It can be every day. It can be no day. It can be whatever day you want it to be, or no day at all. There's no requirement whatsoever for us to honor God with the Sabbath anymore, but you can believe with all of your heart that he deeply, deeply loves you and appreciates you for doing that. For we, It's amazing. God loves us to honor him. He loves us. Read Malachi 3.16. I'll read it for you. This is how much God loves us. This is so cool. It's like one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord, remember hellfire, Bill Weiss, 23 minutes in hell. Okay, you with me there? All right. Because Jesus tells us exactly what it means to fear the Lord. Do not believe the preachers and the teachers that are out there in churchianity telling you, oh, it means awe. You're awed by the Lord. It's not, it's, you're not afraid of him. You're awed by him. No, that's a lie from Satan. That is absolutely a lie from Satan. Jesus told us, fear him, fear him who has the ability to cast both soul and body into hellfire. Who would that be? Our Heavenly Father. <laughs> oh. I, I am so blessed because I loved my father. And my father was a very strict disciplinarian. But I still loved him. 
Loved him very, very much. But boy, when he whipped out that battle. Whew. Man, it hurt. Kind of like my life right now with the Lord throwing me in a different boxing ring. Praise God. But listen to this. This is awesome. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. Kind of like we are right now. Right? And the Lord listened. He hearkened unto them. He heard them speaking to one another. And then it says, so a book of remembrance was written before God, before him. For those who fear the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Was that book of remembrance written for the people who do not fear hellfire? And the answer would be no. There's an explicit meaning and there's an implied meaning. And if we don't ask ourselves what the implied meaning of the scripture is, we will miss. We will only have a partial understanding. So a book of remembrance was written before God himself for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. So when we're sitting around talking about how cool God is and we heal, and we fear hellfire, there's like an angel standing somewhere in heaven in some big old library like looking down and writing it into our book, our book of remembrance, which, by the way, is mentioned again in Psalm 139, verse 16. And that's cool. I don't know about you, but that's cool. Because he goes on, our father goes on to say in verse 17 in, father, in Malachi 3, he says, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. On that day I will make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and the one who does not serve him. This is some seriously super ultra cool stuff. When we fear hellfire, when we sit around the campfire talking about how cool God is, how cool the universe is, how awesome Jesus is, there's an angel in heaven. See, it says, so a book of remembrance was written before God. It doesn't say God's holding the pen. Who do you think is holding the pen? An angel of the Lord. You can believe with all your heart it was. Writing down what we're talking about. And then what does God say about us? That we'll be his. That God will make us his jewels. And that he will spare us. That's incredible, because if I had a penny, even with inflation in 2023, if I had a penny for all the times that I talked to somebody about God, okay, to the point that they were ready to run out of the restaurant and say, leave me alone, okay? But, you know, praise the Lord. Thank his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. That is a very, that is like one of my all-time favorite scriptures. I praise God for that scripture. I love it. I hope you do, too. I hope you do, too. I just wrote, lit three candles, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. 
the Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kod in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Ki Huyom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh, Zechelitiat Mitraim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me, for you are my dove hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little sins that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together. And I assure you, we will. And he has. Praise his name.
sister, we talked briefly via email, and she said, oh, I don't think I could ever be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. Well, I I won't get into all the details in between, but I will, I just sent her an email and I said, remember the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Even though some of the workers came at the very end of the day, Jesus decided to give them a full denarius, a full day's wage, even though they showed up late. I told her the moral of the story, and I understand she's like 80 years old. I said the moral of the story is you can come late to the party, but Jesus decides who he chooses Many are called, few are chosen. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Aspire and pray to be part of the bride. Believe and hope. God bless you. Praise his name.
your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over us, and then we will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Psalm 19.13 The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Psalm 34. 18. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. To his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things unto himself. Wait a minute, I thought I was an American Christian. <laughs> Our citizenship is in heaven. Hallelujah. 
How do you know an American Christian? They have an AK-47 in their hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's not funny. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that every single one of our brothers and sisters that have been deceived by the devil into thinking that they have some sort of a right to murder their way into heaven uh, because they have fear in their heart and don't understand the power of the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that those guns will turn red hot in their hands and burn the flesh off of them, letting them know that it was you that spoke. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. No, you say. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7.14. No way. I thought it was the devil. (laughs) Oh, I love the Bible. I saw you before you were born. Every day of your life was recorded in your book. I wonder if it's that same book in Malachi 3.16. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Lord Jesus, please, Father God, cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our spirit, our soul, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire, Father God. Burn it and purge it clean. Hallelujah. We clear the air. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places, we sever your heads with the sword of the Spirit. We disarm you in the name of Jesus in accordance with Colossians 2.15. We cancel your assignments against us. We bind and cast you out into the pit, into chains of darkness, into judgment in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything in our, anywhere near our household, we loose and bind you from around around our property, and we cast you out. Enter no more in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father God, in Jesus' name, any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against me, or any of us, or any of us, that they shall be immediately burned by the holy fire of God, and it will stick to them like white-hot magnesium napalm, burning them into screaming in horrific agony, making a public spectacle of them. In Jesus' name, an example of them before the other demons of darkness. Father, we apply this in Jesus' name to the spirits that allowed them in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us. We declare the fire of God to to completely vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons, all fiery darts, all demonic contracts, all demonic agreements. They are vaporized with the fire of God. We command it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we declare this holy fire and a thorny hedge of protection and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot and to swirl around on all sides. Job 1.9. Our households. On all sides, Job 1.9, our cars when we're traveling on the road. On all sides, our loved ones. On all sides, our workplace. On all sides, all of those, Father God, of whom we pray for in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, please assign to us a platoon of warrior angels, Father God, unstoppable. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, to go out uh, 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 all around about us in our workplace uh, and to ferret out 
all attempts to come against us. Make good eyes blind in Jesus' name. Make good ears deaf in the name of Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that they will ferret out anything that is demonic that would attempt to come against us, closing all demonic portals by the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Penalties applied into the pit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This time I like to get some holy oil. Actually, I'm holy oil. I just got some more uh, Exodus oil from uh, Lindy Pierce. Behind the veil, she calls it. Haven't started using it yet. Ought to hold me through until we leave. <laughs> I got one of the big bottles. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. There we go. We consecrate ourselves into your, into your complete ownership, Lord Jesus. We consecrate ourselves into your holy hands. We consecrate ourselves, Father, into your holy hands in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. They have no power over us. We declare the holy fire of God to burn all entities that would even utter such things against us or our loved ones. We declare it to burn them into the pit. We declare the abundant grace of God, your living water, the crystal river upon us to cleanse us of all impurity and to make us to bind before the courts of heaven. Titus 1.15 on our behalf. To the pure, all things are pure. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus, upon us to heal us, to cleanse us, every thought, every word. Father, we pray that an anointing will fall upon the speech centers of our mind, that when we have those giant rocks from our daily walk fall upon our feet, that we'll just say, oh, fudge. Father, we rebuke the devil. We rebuke all the demons of darkness. We declare the fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in screaming agony at the very moment that they set their wills against us. We cancel all demonic assignments with the authority, with the power, and the name of Jesus. We break all yokes of bondage. We break all curses placed against us. We declare that holy fire, authority, hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, punching through the spiritual realm, wrapping around our praise, wrapping around our prayer, melting the firmament of the rock and scattering the demons of darkness in all directions that we should operate operate under open heavens in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We are ready for all. At least we hope we are. And we pray that you will anoint us that we are. We accept all. Father, and we pray that only your will be done in each of us. We don't want anything else in our lives but your will. Let your will be done only in each of us. Father, we commit our we commit our souls, we commit our spirits, we commit ourselves all completely into your perfect hands, for we give it unto you with all the love of our heart. For we love you, Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. We surrender ourselves completely, without reserve, with boundless confidence, because our, you are our Abba Father, our dear Father. We thank you, Father. We praise your name. Hallelujah. O Lord, hear. O Lord, 
Forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Father, do not delay. Daniel 9.19 For your people, the hopeful bride of your son, our King, we beseech you this day, this evening, let not our prayers be hindered. 1 Peter 3.7 In Jesus' name we pray and thank you, Father. Amen.
Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for our loved ones. We come before your holy throne of grace. Father, for those of our loved ones who are, well, at the, at the best, maybe completely unbelievers, I'm sorry, at the best, marginal believers, and at the worst, complete unbelievers. Father, we're asking for a breakthrough. We understand that this is third-party prayer, prayer and that we're going to have to keep at it, we, and we just give you all the glory. Father, we stand in the gap as intercessors on behalf of our loved ones, our sons, our daughters, our mothers, our fathers, our aunts and our uncles, and everyone who is close to us, even our friends. We stand in the gap as intercessors, Ezekiel 30, We confess of their sins before you, Father God, Nehemiah 1, 6, Daniel 9, 24. As, and Father, we confess of their sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. In Jesus' name, we renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses on their behalf. In Jesus' name, we hold up before you, Father God, a golden cup of forgiveness. Symbolically, and we pray, Father, forgive them of their sins. Forgive them, for they know not what they do, because if they did, they wouldn't do it. Father, please pour out the cup of forgiveness upon our loved ones. We beseech thee, Father, to place a holy gag order over the demons of death. We cancel all their all demonic assignments against them in the name of Jesus. Have Hasatan, the chief prosecutor, be seated in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, please, save their souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God. Well, I just discovered, hallelujah, sorry, sorry everybody, technology, that my mic mute is not working right, and I have to interrupt this special program to install a new 9-volt battery. Otherwise, there will be unacceptable interference as we progress. And you might say, what might that be? I don't know. <laughs> but this mic, you don't want this mic to be live the whole time. So, praise you, Jesus. I just pulled the one battery out. <sighs> Sticking the new battery in. Thank you, Lord. There we go. Plus signed toward me. Hold on a second. I know, isn't this messed up? <laughs> Story of my life, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here. All right, there we go. The reason why the mic went off there for a second is because it suddenly got power because of the new battery. All right. Now I have to put the little screw here in the hole. There we go. Turn it finger tight. Thank you, Jesus. Flip it around the other way because the wires are too thick. It's working. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hallelujah. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is a perfect example of the old covenant versus the new covenant. When Jesus came, he rose the bar. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus goes, But I say, 
to love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Wow. Talk about doing a flip. Praise God. And that is a perfect example of how the new covenant supersedes the old covenant. That's why we must be experts. Which which contract would you rather be an expert in? The new contract that takes us to heaven and has us rule and reign with Jesus the rest of our lives? Or would you rather be an expert in the old contract that was superseded by the new contract? I'll tell you my answer. I want to know the new contract, like the back of my hand. Praise you, Lord. And then you don't fall into all kinds of demonic traps, and I won't name them all because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Well, actually, I will. One of them is uh, Hebrew roots. <laughs> oh. Anyway, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. Hallelujah. Also, we heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we said, Father, here we are. Send us. Isaiah 6, 8. Praise you, Father. I love this. First Peter four twelve. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you, as if something strange has happened to you, but rejoice. To the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, you know, I used to wonder about this. I used you know, to be a metacoy of Christ, to be a fellow sufferer with Jesus. I always wondered, you know, what qualifies as being a sufferer? Well, guess what? If you're doing your best to live a holy and righteous life and, you know, become intimate with our Father and our Lord Jesus and touch other people's lives, and you're going through challenges, let's just say, you're getting buffeted by demons, should I say, right? That's suffering for Christ. Yeah, yeah. I used to think it had to be something fleshy and earthly, you know, like we had to take some sort of a beating in a square by a bunch of crazy Antifa mob mobsters. But no, 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 no. The very fact that when we're following God... When we want to be like Jesus, when we're praying and praying and seeking the Lord and praying for the lost and touching people's lives and falling in love with Jesus, and then you're going, then, you did, then you're just getting, you know, whooped by the demons, darkness, and you're going through all these fiery trials. Well, guess what? That qualifies. Because if you weren't a threat to the devil, he wouldn't waste any resources on you. So you're suffering as a fellow partaker in Christ's sufferings simply because you're under attack by the darkness. And that's suffering, believe me. Been there, done that. Hebrews six eleven, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, Inherit the promises. Wow. Of course, there's 1 Corinthians 8, 2, one of my favorites. And if anyone thinks they know anything, they know nothing yet. They ought to know. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, look, here's that one. It was Psalm 78:41. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Why do you suppose that is? Because God is holy, holy, holy. And he follows his own rules as the most high judge of all. Yahweh El, God of gods. And because he follows his own rules, when the accuser of the brethren is pointing down at you and saying, Look! Look at him! Look at her! Look how they're behaving! What happens? You limit what God can do for you. Because he has to follow his own rules. Praise God. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree that is known by its own fruit. For when men do not for men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Wow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, Father of love and peace, help us to examine ourselves, to test of ourselves, to see whether we're holding to the faith, to help us to realize that Jesus is in us, lest we should fail the test. Father, help us not to do anything wrong, to do nothing against the truth. Help us to stand for Jesus and do everything that is right in accordance with your holy will. Father, let our life, our attitudes, and our deeds show constant improvement. Help us mend our ways and agree with our fellow brothers and sisters and live in peace. And if we disagree with our fellow brothers and sisters, let us entreat them and bless them. In Jesus' name, not sowing discord amongst the brethren, but loving them and praying for them. May the grace of our Lord Jesus rest upon us all. May you, our Father of love and peace, be near us all. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit engulf us in the presence of your light and love forever and ever. Amen. Let's enter into communion. As your disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I eagerly yearn for this supper And that you suffer so we children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room As you passed on the bread to be told They did not understand the reach of his plan In his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn So we gathered from memory the glory of the Lamb 
the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, as you arose and went back up to heaven, to plead to the heavenly hosts, you lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done, you had covered the cross, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in chains. We were freed from our chains, now all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win, so we gather remembering the of our soul, destroyer of death. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased.
are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. First Timothy three sixteen. You know these are um, affectionately known. Some of these verses as the as the three sixteens. <laughs> Malachi 3.16. First Timothy 3.16. You know, it's awesome. Praise God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There you go. Another 3.16. Praise God. We pray for purification. Based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you'll have mercy upon us because we're going to need it. Not just now, but especially for the days ahead. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, we pray, Father, please blot out all our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For Father, we acknowledge our transgressions. We confess of them. Our sin is always before us, and in sin our mothers conceived us. Against you, you only we have sinned. Father, and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin our mothers conceived us. That's amazing. Behold, Father God, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. You will make us to know your wisdom. Father, we pray that you will purge us with hyssop, wash us, make us whiter than snow, make our hearts joyful and glad that all this suffering, all this evil, all these things that we have to deal with in this dark, dark place today. Father, that we will be able to rejoice anyway. Hide your face from our sins and blot out all of our iniquity. Father, we pray that you will create in us a clean heart. Renew within us a spirit that will never give up. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Oh, Father, let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us from the evil one. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Uphold us with your generous spirit. And then, Father, because we love Jesus, we will feed his sheep. Because we love Jesus, we will feed his sheep. Because we love our Lord Jesus, we will feed his sheep. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Thank you, Jesus.
wherever I go. masters of the devil, and we are the servants and footwashers of mankind. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angel into action upon the earth. Spurgeon says, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wesley L. Duell, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5:16b. The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity. Impassioned. Passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervent, and heartfelt. We cast out demons. Mark sixteen seventeen to 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6, 10-13 Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be, may be able to withstand any evil day, and having done all, to stand. 
Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Matthew 12.28, but if I cast out demons, Jesus said, by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? Matthew 12:43. And when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man will be worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. Because they failed to go and sin no more. Remember Jesus said to the man, Now go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Praise God. We thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up a golden cup symbolically before you. We hold up a golden cup of forgiveness. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you will pour it out upon every man, woman, and child of every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of Russia. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness on behalf of every man, woman, and child of every nation, tribe, and tongue of the lands of Europe. Father, we pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that you will pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon every nation, tribe, and tongue, the good and the bad in the lands of the Middle East. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do please father pour out this golden bowl that we are holding up before you we beseech thee lord our god out of your tender mercies and loving kindness that are eternal pour out this forgiveness upon the hearts and the minds of all of the peoples of the lands of europe the middle east and russia in jesus name we pray and thank you father god Amen. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move freely upon the lands of Russia, Europe, and the Middle East, from Turkey all throughout all of Israel and all the way down to the Sudan to the western sides of, of Gaza to the eastern sides of Yemen and Oman. In Jesus' name, praise you, Father. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Europe, from the western sides of Ireland to the eastern sides of the Ukraine to the northern sides of Norway to the southern sides of Cyprus and all lands in between. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for all of those who live in the lands of Russia, from the far western sides of or the eastern sides of the Donbass, all the way into uh, wow, all the way over to the Kamchatka Peninsula. In the name of Jesus, we lift up all of these people, Father. Before you, the good and the bad, such a troubled part of the world, but the whole world is troubled, Father. But we're lifting these people up because, boy, do they need the touch of the presence of the angels, the touch of the presence of the Holy Spirit like never before. Father, we lift up the people that are rioting in the lands of France. We lift up the people that are rioting in the lands of the Netherlands. We lift up the people that are, rise, uh, that are rioting in the lands of Belgium. We hold up the people that are rioting, rioting in the lands of Germany. Father, we pray for the people that are victims of uh, the the 
Antichrist in Jesus' name. Father, the people that are victims of the Pentagon, the pentagram from hell that exists in the land of Babylon the Great. Father, we lift up the peoples of the lands of Russia that are victims of the evil of the pentagram that exists in, the, in, the, in, the, in Babylon the Great, Father God, where we do, some of us. Holy Father God, in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, have mercy upon their souls and pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Pour out your spirit upon them, for we know your will. You would want not one to perish. Lord, there are riots even taking place in Israel right now. There's all kinds of turmoil. There's things going on across all of these lands. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are being blown to bits and destroyed in the Ukraine, Father. Destroyed uh, on both sides of that conflict. We don't partake in it. We don't take sides, Father. In the name of Jesus, we just pray that your will be done. We read your scripture. We know what the second seal is, and we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, and we praise you. Father, we lift up all of the peoples in the lands of Europe. We lift up all of the peoples in the lands of Israel. We lift up all of the people. We thank you, Father God, for for kiboshing that attempt by the Israeli government to forbid or to outlaw the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in the lands of Israel. We thank you for getting rid of that. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father God, in Jesus' name for all of the peoples of those lands and the people that are suffering, Father. We pray that you will relieve them of their suffering. In Jesus' name, we pray for your angels to move upon them. Again, Lord, for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, we pray that the spiritual realm is utterly parted, that there will be no hindrance of the angels and heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's glory to flow upon the earth, all the way from Ireland to all the way to the Kamchatka Peninsula, from all the way to the northern sides of Norway to all the way to the southern sides of Sudan, all across all of Israel, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we confess of their sins before you as a royal priesthood, 1 Peter 2, 9. As Daniel did in in chapter 9, verse 24, as Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, we confess of their sins before thee, Father God. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their father's fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places above those lands. We decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father. Praise your name. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we declare and plead with your courts for the dispatch of an innumerable company of angels of war, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped sword, sharpest razor blades, to enter into the spiritual realm above all of these lands and to wage war against these enemies such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, strong men, subordinate spirits, come forth. Come out of them now. We have loosed your legal rights, even if but for a time. You are not allowed to be there. Come out. 
We declare in the name of Jesus an innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon you and to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. For only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Thank you, Father. We praise your holy name. Father, we declare in the name of Jesus, the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to encapsulate the hundreds of millions of people across all of these lands. The Middle East, Father, from Turkey to the southern sides of Sudan, to Gaza, to Yemen, to Oman, all the peoples in between. Father, we pray for your anointing to fall upon the peoples of the lands of Russia. Father, we pray for your anointing to fall upon the peoples of the lands of the Ukraine. Father, we pray for your anointing to fall upon the peoples of the lands of all of uh, uh, Eastern uh, uh, Europe, Father God, in Jesus' name. And even uh, Western Europe, Father, please touch the people, Father, across the Ukraine, I'm sorry, across the United Kingdom, across all of France, across all of Spain, across all of Germany, across all of Italy, across all of Greece, across all of the, every one of the lands, Father God, the Netherlands, Father, praise you, Jesus, Denmark, hallelujah, we thank you, Jesus, all of the lands, hallelujah, touch them, Father God, with your presence in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit on all flesh, we pray. Pour out your spirit upon all the peoples in the lands of the Ukraine. Pour out your spirit upon the people, Father God, that are involved in all of these conflicts. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We thank you, Father God. We pray for your abundant grace, the living water, the crystal river, to enter into each of their hearts, to fertilize the soil therein, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit in the mighty name of Jesus, and that fruit shall remain. In Jesus' name, praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in accordance with John fifteen sixteen, we pray that your abundant grace, the crystal river, the living water, to enter into their heart, to fertilize the soil there, and that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. The, these prayers will bear fruit. The fruit will remain in Jesus' name, we pray, for an innumerable company of angels of light and love to descend upon the peoples of the lands of Europe, to descend upon the peoples of the lands of the Middle East, to descend upon the peoples of the lands of Ukraine and Russia. Father God, from the north to the south to the east to the west, the good and the bad, in the name of Jesus, we pray all across Israel, that your angels of mercy and light and love and the presence, the omnipotent and omnipresent presence of our Lord Jesus Christ will appear to them in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction in accordance with the word of Job 33, 14 and 15 in Jesus' mighty name we pray and thank you, Father God, forevermore. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our minds. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise His holy name. Yeshua, 
praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure until you come back for your bride to set her free. Write our names in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice as we lift your name on high. Renew our mind, renew our soul, remove the scars from our past and deem us righteous. We rebuke all deceptive love. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins we will be. Your bride awaits. Longing for that blessed sound The dead will rise The churches gather We're praying that We're worthy, Lord To join our family Taking to hell and he saw the devil's secret weapon that is sending millions that think they're Christians to hell. Next. Hello, it's Sid Roth here with Ivan Tuttle. And uh, Ivan, uh, you've had some encounters that few people on earth invisible realm. Uh, you um, uh, were raised in a Christian home. You even went down the altar and accepted Jesus, but you quickly left the things of God. Uh, and it had a lot to do with a difficult childhood. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, Sid, I was uh, diagnosed with ADHD at a much later age, but what we didn't know is as a child I had ADHD, so I was constantly on the move. I had a father that had a very angry uh, street to him, angry side to him. And my father would uh, beat me with a belt. In fact, if you look at x-rays, you'll see ribs in my back that are broken from my dad actually hitting me with a belt. That's really hitting. Yeah, that's really hitting. That's, that's beyond a normal hit. So, yeah, I went through a lot of things like that. I spent most of my time alone as a child, uh, playing in the woods, etc., things like that. 
at, at 26, um, you had a blood clot uh, that resulted in, uh, in his death. And as a matter of fact, this was a while ago. This was in 1978. I'm going to take you back to the time you had just gotten out of the hospital. It's 9.20 p.m. Something woke you by grabbing you. What was that? Yeah, Sid, I, I got home from the hospital. I, you know, funny, hmm. I went to sleep at nine, around 1, 9.20. Something grabbed a hold of my left wrist. And when it did this, it pulled me right up out of the bed. I mean, it just jerked me out of the bed like it was nothing, like I was a rag doll. And, you know, I tried to fight it. You know, it's the first instinct you have. Of course. And so I was trying to do this, and this this thing, I realized all of a sudden that, hey, this is a demon. And I knew instantly I was going to hell. And I knew that's where I was at. And so this demon took me, and I, I, could, I started hearing these screams. I started smelling this awful smell. And this demon just kept taking me, and it just kept traveling. I mean, you feel you were going. And this demon took me to hell. And I'm in hell, and I'm looking around in hell, and I'm seeing all these different people, even people I recognize, even some from my childhood that I saw. I saw former pastors. I you, saw, you saw people that you felt were Christians. Oh, yes, yes. I thought that, well, see, one of the things that happens when you're in the spirit after you pass on, when you look at somebody up, you instantly know everything about them. It doesn't have to be communication because you know everything about them. So what happens is that you're looking at these people and you're, you're kind of speaking to them and they're telling you and you just read everything that's happening in their life. So you know exactly what they did. And it, it's amazing because these are not people you would expect to see there. You just wouldn't. You get these people in hell and they're tortured. And, and the torturing that goes on there, Sid, is unbelievable, but the thing that I think is the lasting impression on me was the hopelessness. You see, when you're in hell, there's no hope. I mean, you're done. Once that happens, you're done. There's no hope, because when you try to pray, it's like an iron ceiling or, or iron dome over you. goes nowhere. You know, you're done. You had your chance when you, you were here on earth, and now you're down there, and, you're, and I'm watching these people as they're being tortured. They can't move. They're solid. They're put in a place. I don't see an actual chain, but it's as if there's a chain around them, and they can't move. They can swing their hands around and move their feet around, but they're not going anywhere. And these demons are attacking them and attaching to them. I saw a young lady that was 18 years of age, and she was hit by a drunk driver, and she couldn't understand why she was in hell, but she never accepted Jesus as her savior. And that's why she was there. You saw millions of people that have bought lies while in earth that were churchgoers in hell. What was the cause? Said the one of the biggest causes are that people believe that all you have to do is you accept Jesus. Say a prayer with Billy. So right. And, and then you can do whatever you want in life. And that's not true. You can't do that. There's, it, it, no, no, what about the current teaching that says, well, once you accepted the Lord, his grace takes care of past, present, and future sins. There's nothing you have to do about it. Um, that's not in the Bible. Of course not. And, and not only is it not in the Bible, that's sending so many people to hell. It's unreal. You would be surprised. There, listen, you can't 
you can't just say, okay, once you do it, that's it. Because it tells you in the Bible certain people, certain things, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't care who you are. You can't. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're telling little lies and you think, oh, I'm okay, I'm getting just a little there's still problems. You know, you have to daily just say, I do every day before I go to sleep, Lord, just forgive me of anything. I just do that on a daily basis. In fact, if I catch myself doing something wrong, I instantly want to correct that because I've been there. I don't want to go back there. I don't want anybody to ever go there. Uh, you saw some things that will be helpful to us. You saw demons going back and forth from hell to heaven uh, to deceive, tell me about that, especially children. Oh, that deception was so bad. Uh, the deception started, there was a couple of things. One was video games, and this is before video games were invented, and the demons were going up there and getting into these games to distort young people's minds. Not only that, the demons were also, they're going back and forth from hell, from the center of hell where Lucifer was at, and going back up to the earth so that they can get to the earth and deceive these people. They would enter into people's bodies, and they would use. They usually would find somebody that was very handsome or a very beautiful woman or a handsome man, and they would enter that body, and they would use that person to deceive as many people as they could, especially lukewarm Christians or warmed-up Christians, you know. And they would try to deceive them to take them out to, you know, do immoral things with them, etc. And that's what that was. That's what was happening. That was what was going on. I saw that in 1978. I watched it happen. What would you say was the worst thing you saw in hell? Wow. <laughs> Everything was the worst thing. Do people really, I, I have a question, though. Do yeah. people really feel pain? Yes. I mean, by physical pain in hell? Ah, shit. The pain in hell is much worse than on earth. You see, when you get a splinter or a cut, you feel it on one little area. But when you are in the spirit, which you're in the spirit in hell, when you're down there, that pain goes through your whole body. So every bite mark that the demons put on you, every scratch that they do to you, everything they poke into you, it hurts in your whole being. You said you can't pass out. In the flesh, if you get in a lot of pain, you can just pass out. You can't do that. And it never ends. See, this is the thing. It never, ever ends. It's always there. It's always going to keep continuing. It never goes away. There's no hope. No, there's no hope. None. Why do the demons keep uh, penetrating people with pain and suffering? Why, why do they keep it up? They enjoy it. That, that's what makes them happy. They enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Too. They do it because especially. They're like sadists. Exactly. But especially if you were a Christian at one time. Oh, then they really thrive on that because that's something that now they can tease you for all eternity. Listen, that demon was laughing at me, making fun of me, and it was doing the same thing to all these other people. All these demons were because I bought it. I bought the lie. And all of a sudden, you heard a voice. See, that was the most wonderful thing that happened to me in hell. And I'm there, and all of a sudden, I heard a voice that rang out and says, it's not his time yet. You must let him go. I made a promise to his mother. Ivan went to heaven and saw the future of many countries. You want to find out about that promise and why it worked? Next. 
Hello, YouTube. Mishpocha. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. This is Sid Roth. Welcome to my world where it's naturally supernatural. If you've been blessed by this show, please subscribe. Then click the bell so you won't miss a single episode of It's Supernatural. My guest died. He found himself in hell. But all of a sudden, he heard a voice, and the voice said, it's not your time. And the next thing you knew, you were like in the gaze of heaven. Yeah, I was. Uh, why? Why? You, you were at that point a backslidden, non-believing person. Exactly. You know, I'd still be in hell if it wasn't for two things. One, it wasn't my time. And the second thing, I had a mother that prayed for me. Now, my mother prayed yeah, for me. but everyone has people.